If you have your Bibles, you can turn there to the uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 41. If you don't have a Bible, there's some in the pew racks in front of you there. We've been working through Luke, and <clears throat> when Brother Jason, I asked him when we finished the last study, I said, what's the, what's the next study? We're, we're going to do expository teaching, or what are we going to do? What, what, is it going to be a book? And he says, Luke. Well, I really like Luke. I mean, I like Luke. Luke's a unique book, right? I mean, Luke... Just to summarize, Luke, or, 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 or to uh, go back and remind us, Luke was a Gentile. What's neat about that, all the other writers of the Bible were, were Jews, Jewish. He, he wasn't a Jew. Uh, he wasn't a Jew by nationality or by orthodoxy. Uh, he was a Gentile. So you either, you know what a Gentile is, if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile, just by default. So he was, I mean, he's, I'm a Gentile, uh, you know. So there may be a few Jewish people, I don't know, but most of us are Gentiles, so this relates to me. Then I was thinking, well, um, how did he write this Bible? I mean, the first off, it was written about 65 or so, maybe 62, 65 A.D. And this was written about probably about 27 to 30 years after the, the death and resurrection of Christ. It wasn't written while it was happening. It was sometime, you know, uh, 30 years or so after this happened. And uh, so he wrote this, and, and he, he, we learn in the first chapter that he was actually writing or was commissioned to do this uh, from a man by the name of Theopolis, the most excellent Theopolis, who was a Roman, Roman either governor or political figure, someone of, of means, uh, probably a wealthy guy, and he was able to fund Luke's uh, journeys. And it would have taken him three or four years you know, to do this. And, he, and we know this because it says that he, he, he uh, accounted for this through the eyewitnesses of people. Luke also was not an eyewitness to Christ that we know of. We don't know that he ever met Christ. However, all the other people in the... Uh, New Testament did. They actually were uh, apostles, and they were uh, Paul, having been called on the road to Damascus. Uh, Luke wasn't that. Luke was a physician. Is also a historian. He would, he would document this stuff. Big on details, details. So I'm thinking about that. If you were to interview, I mean, if you were Luke, who would you interview? I mean, if, you, if you're going to write this down, I used to think too that 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 this is inspired word of God, and and. and you know, Luke must have wrote it somehow in a fetal position and the Holy Spirit just pumping it to him, right? And just the, the words, you know, it's not that way. He had to actually go out and, and research. He had eyewitnesses. He had to account for and ask them, uh, who would you, I, would, I mean, I'm just thinking in my mind, I would go to the shepherds first. I mean, how was that? You're in the, at night, you know, before Christ was born and, and, and all of a sudden it lights up at night and these angels, they're scared and the angels said, don't be afraid. And all of a sudden there's the multitude of angels singing uh, uh, hallelujah. The, 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 the Savior is born. That scene, I'd have to find the shepherds and talk to them. I'd probably talk to Mary, right? The mother of Jesus. He may have very well spoke to Mary. He may, may have interviewed her. Um, we think, we believe that uh, John uh, cared for Mary because Christ said, this is now your mother. And, he, and the belief is that he cared for Mary uh, through the rest of her life. And she um, believed that may have uh, lived in Ephesus um, and uh, would have died in her 80 to 90 year old range probably. Uh, when he, um, uh, when this was written, uh, she would have been about uh, probably close to 80, 75 or 80. At, the, cruci uh, at uh, the crucifixion, when Christ was crucified, she was in her like 47 or 48. So, she, so he, he was able to possibly meet with Mary. If he didn't meet with Mary, he, he would have probably certainly met with James. You know, James was Jesus' brother, half-brother, wrote the book of James, uh, as, as was Jude. And James was the head of the church in Jerusalem, so he had a very 
um, instrumental role, being head of the church in Jerusalem, the church was just exploding, you know, that first century. And, it, and having not followed Christ as a younger person, he became saved and followed Christ and was hugely instrumental in the first century establishing the church. And, and we read about how Paul would go around to the churches, uh, specifically the ones mentioned in Asia Minor, uh, gathering money for, for the support of the church in Jerusalem. Luke actually went, was a traveling partner with Paul. So he would actually interview Paul and, and, and he stayed with him. He went on this third missionary journey all up through Ephesus and that area. Maybe ran into John, you know, there, possibly. Uh, we don't know all who he spoke with, but we knew he had eyewitnesses. Uh, he was with also Paul, we know, and read in Second Timothy where he was with Paul at, uh, in prison. He wasn't in prison, but Paul was in prison in Rome. You know, Paul always wanted to get to Rome and he, and he got there, but in shackles, right? He was two years in Caesarea in prison, was taken to Rome where he was another two years. First part of that in house arrest, which wasn't so bad, I guess, but then later he was put in the real prison. And um, it was pretty, pretty, sad, pretty bad prison. Um, and then uh, you can read Second Timothy how he's writing and how the words. It just, you know, you, you can't, you can't. If you can just envision Luke sitting there and Paul said, "Everyone's deserted me, but Luke's here," and and he knew he was about to die, so he's able to interview these people. So as we get to this passage, <clears throat> a couple things on this passage. Um, there was only very little about Jesus's youth that we know about. We know that he was, uh, the passages prior to this, prior to 41, chapter 2, had to do about his purification when he went uh, to the temple for purification and, and his uh, circumcision. This passage here deals with when he was 12 years old. So it goes from 8 days old to 12 years old. And after this, this is it. We don't know until he's 30. That's when he starts his ministry. Starts his ministry and he's around 30-ish. Uh, says in Luke also about 30-ish. And um, would have lasted about 3 years. And, and but so there's some time that has transpired since then. So there's plenty of eyewitness accounts. There's stories that have been spread around, and he's gathering his data up and writing it down for Theopolis. All right. So in this passage, as we read it, you'll see these are the first words that Christ spoke. It's recorded that he spoke in the Bible. Also, it's the last reference we'll have to Joseph, the uh, uh, earthly dad for uh, Jesus. And we don't know what happened to Joseph after this. We really don't know. Uh, we, don't, we don't believe that he was alive at the time of the crucifixion because he had asked John then to care for the mother. Uh, we, we don't know uh, if, what happened with him. He was a carpenter by trade. He may have gotten injured. I don't, we don't know. We just, there's no record there. So let's, as we get to the, let's, we'll get into more of this. Let's look in uh, chapter 2, verse 41. <clears throat> and I'll read the passage and we'll come down and back and break it down. Because now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of uh, the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended and they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, uh, they, uh, in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among the other uh, relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why are you looking for me? Did you not know I must be in my, my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he had spoken to them. 
And he went down with them and came to and, the, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, and in favor of, of God and man. <clears throat> so, um, this is one of those stories I would have asked if I would have interviewed Mary or James. I said, "Listen, I mean, Jesus, he, he was like perfect, right? Yes, never got in trouble, never got in trouble. Could you imagine being James and Jude? I mean, they weren't the only, you know. Could, could you imagine that? <laughs> he never gets in trouble, right? We're always the ones. And he had other kids, his other siblings, right? I mean, the, in uh, Matthew thirteen, it talks, it references who his brothers and sisters were, or brothers were. Uh, you had um, Jesus, and then you had Joseph, James, Jude, Simon. It also mentions sisters. We don't know how many sisters. We know would have been at least two. So there was a family of at least nine. So it was a pretty good family. And they were in this caravan. And when they had the caravans, when they were going, they would, you wouldn't go alone. I mean, you didn't just get up and walk from Nazareth to Jerusalem alone. It's dangerous. There's robbers along the way. Uh, you had a lot of stuff you had to bring because they were there. The, the feast of, of, of the Passover or the feast of the unleavened bread would have lasted seven to eight days. So you either brought money or you brought food with you, or maybe both, you know, to get there. And it was about an 80 mile hike. So it was, you know, you're looking at four to five days hiking, you know, uphill to get to Jerusalem, downhill, of course, back, and as it references in the scripture. So um, they, you were going together, and there's probably their whole family. And this little Nazareth wasn't that big of a town. Maybe no more than 500 people, maybe, you know, maybe the size of Copeland or whatever. And they were coming with all their friends and families, and they were walking across. So let, let's look here. It says in verse 40, 41 again, it says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And he was 12 years old, uh, uh, and they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, they had returned, uh, uh, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Now, they were, um, Joseph and Mary and their family, they were. Uh, Followers of what God's calling them to do. They followed, they, they were religious people, they went to church. The fact that they um, went and stayed, they went every year for one, and they also stayed the entire term. It said uh, when it ended, it would last seven or eight days, so they would stay for the entire duration of it. And this was something, these festivals, there was really three. There was a Passover, you had the uh, Feast of Weeks, which is Pentecost, and you had uh, the Feast of the Tabernacles. It was expected that the men would go to these things every year. And it was kind of hard at times to do this um, just because of, of, of the dispersion of the Jewish people. You know, the, the diaspora or the dispersion when they were uh, taken into captivity even, um, uh, I guess, about 700 years prior to this when, when, the, when the nation was split and, and the Assyrians took them captive. And then later the Babylonians took the southern kingdom captive and they were dispersed. And even now you have Hellenistic Jews living up in Asia Minor that speak Greek and you have Hebrew speaking uh, Jews as well. So they were really spread around. And, and just the sheer distance of it was too hard for them to always come. But this family, they came every year. So that's, that's encouraging. So they go back to Jerusalem, and it says, um, they thought he was with the group, and, they had, and it said that they, after three days they found the temple. Now how that worked is they weren't looking in Jerusalem for three days. They had walked one day, remember, about 20 miles. They're like, like they're from here to walk to Austin. And realize Jesus isn't there. I mean, you could imagine the, the frustration or the fear, possibly, of the parents. They get there, and they're setting up camp, and they're looking around, and, and where's Jesus? He's just, he's just gone. Where's he at? So the next day, they get up, and they hike back into Jerusalem, another full day. The next day, they, 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 they search for him and find him in the temple. <clears throat> now, um, uh, it says here, uh, and when he had... Um, and when they'd heard him, they were amazed at his understandings and answers. 
And when his parents, uh, and, and to me, I used to think, well, of course they were amazed. He was God. Of course they were amazed that he was God. I mean, he, you know, right? I mean, he knows everything, right? No, Jesus didn't. God the Father was omniscient. But Jesus Christ himself limited himself, limited his knowledge. I used to think that he knew all things. He was very insightful. Yes, and he was God, but he intentionally reduced himself to that of a man in his understanding. And why did he do that? I was always thinking, why did he have to do it that way? Well, he didn't have to do it that way, but, but he needed to do it that way to be the perfect sacrifice. For him to be a perfect sacrifice, he had to go and endure humanity. He had to be born of a baby, live a perfect life, fulfill the laws in, in all parts of it, all the prophecy, and, and, and die a perfect person as a sacrifice for us. That is encouraging to me that he's, he's done it that way because without that, we wouldn't be sitting here today. Without here, we would not have the hope of salvation. <clears throat> so, um, looking at this, one thing, one observation I know is um, he was in his house. It said, and when the parents saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you. And he said, um, Why are you looking for me? Did you not know I must be in my father's house with the capital F in my father's house? They didn't understand that. No one would have understood that. Jesus, I mean, God was never referred to, I mean, he was never referred to God in that way. He was always God of our nation, God of our, of our faith. It was never God in a personal relationship. I'm in my father's house. I mean, I, I would imagine Joseph would have said, hey, I'm dad. You know, one of my fathers, this is not our house. What are you talking about? I, I can see the confusion, right? But, but they didn't understand at that point, but yet she cherished them in, in, in her heart. Mary cherished those things in her heart. So um, they didn't, and that's another reason why she cherished them in her heart. How could Luke possibly make that statement that she treasured up these things in her heart? I think part of that is because he may have, again, interviewed her or interviewed uh, a close family member that, that could know and tell her reaction to having found him. But I can see their, their anxiety. I, I can imagine asking um, their family, you know, Jesus was perfect growing up, but was there ever a time in his youth, ever, ever a time that he, i, I got to document this for sure, was there ever a time that he sinned? Was there ever a time he did something wrong? And I can just think, well, there's this one time. <laughs> we went to Walmart. No, we went somewhere. You ever lose a child? If you ever turn up and your child's not there? I mean, it could be real scary, but... And she can tell the frustration in her voice. Says, Why be treated so? Behold, your father has been searching for you. We're in great distress. Now, he wasn't disobedient. Christ was not disobedient to his parents. He was very much obedient. But his purpose in life was that of, of following God the Father. He was making it clear. He's becoming of the age of, of account, accountability. You know, at that point, at this time, when, when, when he was only 12, at when you become... 13, you're, you're required, you're obligated then to follow the law. So he was a year from being 13. But it was customary that they would take children, their children with them, to train them up as to what they're to expect when they get 13. And, and we later became known as Bar Mitzvah. We've heard of the name Bar Mitzvah. This is a Bar Mitzvah he would have the next year when he's 13 to be the age of uh, accountability then in the Jewish uh, uh, faith. So, um, so he... Um, um, the fact that it's, it's, it's his house makes me raise this question. You know, if, if God is uh, Jesus' father, and he's the son of God, what makes that to God? Is God our father also? Yes, he is. God is our father in heaven. He's our, he's our father. 
in heaven, and we should follow him. So if God is your father, you should long to be in his house. I mean, we should really yearn for that, right? I mean, we should want to be in his house. And I don't mean just church. I don't mean, yeah, I don't feel like going to church today. I mean, I don't mean just this room. We should be um, encouraged. We should want to be in God's house. We should want to fellowship with other Christians. We should want to obey his commandments and be grieved when we don't. I mean, we should do this. So, so let me ask you, I mean, what, what is it like? I mean, what, what does it mean to be a Christian? How do you know? I mean, how do you know if you're the adopted child of God? How do you know this? How can you look at your life and tell? You can say, well, <clears throat> I believe it's true. You believe the Bible's true. Great. Is that enough in and of itself to be saved that you believe it's true? You think the devil believes it's true? The devil knows it's true. So the hard part is this, is you can have God as your Savior, but not have him as your Lord. It's a big difference between the two. If given the two choices, if you're, if you're, if you're two lines forming, this one's in heaven and this one's in hell, how long, how long would the hell line be? It'd be probably none, right? I mean, it's short. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Sure. Yeah, I see Jesus. He's my Savior. But is he your Lord? There's a difference. What is a Lord? Someone that controls you, that, that, that's over you, that you're submissive to. Are you submissive to God? So how do you know if you're a child of God? First, John uh, chapter 5, I'm going to read here, helps me to understand this, helps us to understand this. And let me just read here. It says this, Everyone who believes that Jesus is Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever was born of him. Listen to this. By this we know we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. His commandments are not burdensome. The part there is, can we keep all the commandments? We, no, we can't. Uh, only God can. The purpose of the law establishes uh, the holiness of God. But what we're here to do is to know that it's, that it's the right thing to do. We should follow the commandments. We should be grieved when we, when we uh, uh, disobey God or we sin. The idea of knowing if God's the Lord over your life is, are you committed to that? Anybody can make a profession that will want to go to heaven, but not everybody follows God as their Lord. So that, that's one thing. The first thing that we see here is that uh, we should long to be in the Father's house. Second thing is, is God's goal for us is growth. I think it's interesting that in, in verse 52 it says Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. The whole idea that the fact that he increased, he wasn't there yet. The idea that he, had, he was continually learning. We're continually learning. We should also do that. We should read the Bible. We should understand the Bible. We should do what we can to, to fellowship with other people um, and, and study and, and pray and, and be in the Word, these kind of things. We should. Uh, Christ gave us that example as he increased in wisdom and stature, right? So what, what do you do with that? I mean, uh, how do you, um, where do you start? I mean, if, if you're like, yeah, hey, I want to read the Bible, but I just, I just, I mean, it's just, I just can't get there. How many of y'all, you, how many have started in Genesis and get through maybe Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and you kind of get bogged down in Leviticus, maybe number, and you kind of stop? Anybody do that? I mean, I've done it plenty of times. So, so how do, I gave this testimony, uh, the first service. For me, <clears throat> my growth really began when I was baptized, scripturally baptized. I grew up in the Lutheran church, so I was baptized as an infant. And later, uh, in my mid-20s, mid to upper 20s, later 20s, I was uh, submerged, baptized through submersion. At that point, I believed 
God gave me, uh, just uh, encouraged me more to read that point and understand and try to learn the word. That first, that, that symbol of, of obedience or that obedience I did through baptism helped me to understand the word a lot better. And from that, I started trying to study. And somebody set me down and said, listen, I just, it's, I just can't get going on this Bible. I just can't get going when I was in my 20s. Uh, they, said, they took me aside and said, okay, do this. And here's the Bible. You have the Old Testament, New Testament. We'll break it down. So, okay, break it down. Old Testament, New Testament. Old Testament is everything that happened before Christ was, came onto earth. Now, Christ was, has always been here. John 1, 1 always has been with us. But he didn't come down before a man until he was born as a baby. This is Old Testament. New Testament starts with, the, um, with Christ uh, in the picture going forward. And you have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then follow that, you have the letters, the epistles written by uh, the, the apostles and, 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 and uh, Paul and uh, Peter and James and Jude and others that wrote those books. And I started studying that and putting the pieces together and it helped me a whole lot in understanding how the Bible fit together as well. Uh, if you're in that point as I was, I would encourage you to start in First John. Read First John, start there, then maybe move to John the Gospel, and then uh, read the New Testament, then start back on the Old Testament. So, uh, so our goal is to grow, and, and we should grow. Now, the last point of this is this. We should, um, when we sense our Savior is missing, we need to stop and search for him. We, um, the Savior was missing here in, in, in Luke, and uh, Mary and Joseph went back, and the whole clan went back to look for him. The question for us today is, is there ever a time when the Savior is missing? Is there ever a time in your life when you're sitting there, you feel like, I'm just not, I don't, I have problems. I mean, I, I'm dealing with things. I, I don't, you know, know what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm distracted. And, uh, I don't feel the presence of God in my life. Are we really looking at that point for God? We need to be seeking him out. We need to be seeing how we can find God. We need to go seek and search and find God. We need to pray. We need to read. We need to study. We need to be patient. You know, God, I, I'm not a very patient individual, but at many times we're going through a period in our life that's difficult. At that point, we need to pray and wait. God has a purpose for what we're going through. We need to be patient and wait through it and see how God's going to bless us on it. So, so anyway, that, that's the conclusion of the message. And let's pray for prayer, then Brother Jason's going to come up and speak. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this passage. Lord, I pray that you... Help us to learn your word, to guide us. Pray that the Holy Spirit, Lord, makes what we learn to be effectual, that, that, that you apply to our life, that we're able to um, follow you in the correct way, Lord. Help us to seek you out and find you. Help us to be patient and wait upon you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for Christ Jesus, Lord. I thank you for the wonderful gift of salvation we have through uh, Christ's work on the cross and and. I just pray, Lord, that you help us to never forget that and to keep it at our heart at all times. I thank you for our pastor, Brother Jason. I thank you for the opportunity he had to go to Uganda, Lord. I pray, Lord, for the seeds that were planted there, Lord, that they grow, they develop, Lord, that you bless him, Lord, that you're glorified in all the work that's done there. And that we can see the fruit, Lord, and, 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 and know, Lord, that it's your hand at it, Lord. Lord, thank you for this and all things. In Jesus' name, amen.